in the United States in 2012, there were 1,225,452 lawyers. That's a lot. 1,225,000 for a population in 2012 of 312,780,968 people, in case you wanted to know. Somebody's out there going. That means that there was one lawyer for every 255 people. One lawyer for every 255 people. You know, why are there so many lawyers? It's because we have so many grievances and so many conflicts. We need lawyers to take care of all of our conflicts for us. One lawyer for every 255 people. And I'm sure that all of the, the conflicts and lawsuits are all legitimate. Nothing is frivolous. Like the woman who went through the drive-thru at McDonald's in 1992 and burned her lap and sued McDonald's for $2.9 million and won because, oh, surprise, surprise, hot coffee is hot. <laughs> and so they had to change all their marketing and then lower the temperature of their coffee because their coffee was too hot. It had nothing to do that she was driving down a road and put a hot cup of coffee between her legs. That wasn't the problem, was it? Then there was Alan Ray Heckard, who, though he was three inches shorter, 25 pounds lighter, and eight years older than former basketball star Michael Jordan, said he looked a lot like Jordan, and people confused him all the time. So he sued because of the trauma that it caused him. He sued for $52 million for defamation and permanent injury, plus another $364 million in punitive damages for emotional pain and suffering. And he sued for the same amount Nike co-founder Phil Knight for a grand total of $832 million because he looked a little too much like Michael Jordan. Now he lost that case, thank God. <laughs> but he hired the lawyer and went to court. Then there was the judge, retired judge, who sued the dry cleaners for ruining his pair of pants. Now, I don't know what he had in those pants, but he tried to sue the dry cleaner for $65 million. That's just silly. Obviously, he also did not win that one. But we know that there are a lot of conflicts and that we, so we need a lot of lawyers and, and I'm really not wanting to, 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 to defame or bash on lawyers. That's really not the point. Um, it's, it's that we can, you can tell that we have a lot of conflict and issues in this nation. We have them in the church. 
We have them in work. We have them in marriage. The divorce rate, which I believe is is not as, as high as, as they propose, at least in the church, but the divorce rate in general is over 50%. You know, that's because there's a lot of conflict and there's people who don't know how to resolve it. Today we're in the book of Acts. What a surprise. We're in chapter 15. And we're going to talk about conflict this morning because each and every one of us, on a weekly basis, usually more often than that, is in a conflict of some type. Now, uh, now as we set the stage for, for the word conflict, you know, I was really thinking about the word conflict because conflict has somewhat different def- definitions and for you might hold a lesser or a serious degree uh, of strength. Um, you, we have books all over the place on conflict and conflict resolution, but, but for some, the word conflict is, is really powerful. Some might prefer the word disagreement um, because some things maybe are just a disagreement and then it escalates to a conflict. To show the difference of the word conflict and how harsh it can be, does anyone remember by any chance the Korean conflict or the Vietnamese conflict? When people are dying, that's a heavy conflict. So for some, the word conflict is really, really serious. So uh, I'll try to, to talk about the difference between you know, a little bit of conflict and resolution, or of conflict and disagreements um, this morning. But in Acts chapter 15, we actually find two conflicts. And if you're reading out of the New King James Bible, the very first thing in the column in chapter 15 says conflict over circumcision. So what's happening at the very first part of chapter 15 is that there was the the Jews who had been saved who weren't really okay with the Gentiles coming to faith and they were saying, listen, the Gentiles, when they come to faith, they need to be circumcised. And so a conflict arose because the Gentiles were just getting saved and becoming part of the church and they weren't getting circumcised and that was no bueno for some of the Judaizers, for some of the Jews. And so there was a conflict um, that, that arose. And so what happens is Peter goes up to Jerusalem, he talks to the other apostles, he talks to some of the leaders, and he says, listen, God poured out his spirit. He sent me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And they had a big discussion about what happened. Paul and Barnabas were uh, sent down to um, Jerusalem as well. They had a big powwow, a big council in verse 6, and they came to consider the matter of whether people needed to be circumcised. That was, I think, a couple weeks ago in one of our board meetings. We said, now let's talk about circumcision, guys. You know, I think there's some guys out there who aren't circumcised, and do we need to do this next week and Sunday? We had a baptism last week. We're going to have a circumcision next week. (sighs) But this is what they were talking about. And... um, and because it was very important to them. So through Peter and Paul and Barnabas, they begin to, to speak about this. And basically, they come up with an agreement that they says, you know, we should not require this of the believers. But what, and we should just encourage them to abstain from um, blood of strangled animals and sexual immorality. And so they sent... Um, they, they sent a letter up to Antioch where a lot of this was happening and saying, hey, we're not going to require uh, circumcisions from you. And so this is the beginning of chapter 15. Conflict resolved. Amen? Who's ever had a conflict that was resolved? Resolution is wonderful. I do uh, pr- premarital counseling and I do, you know, 
postmarital counseling and all this stuff. And one of the things that you talk a lot about in marriage, marriage counseling, is, is conflict resolution. And I give people a few options and say, hey, which one are you in this, in the conflict thing? I said, are you, um, are, are, are you a winner? Do you have to win? Do you like to uh, submit or yield? Do you like compromise? You know, and by the time I get to three, you know, some people are honest and like, I just win. You know, and there's people who just win the conflict. That might be you. You might not even realize that about yourself, but you might be out there and saying, I, I win. I have to win the conflict. Even if I'm wrong, I'm going to win. You ever talk to somebody like that? Nobody look at their neighbor. Nobody look at their spouse. <laughs> right? I have to win. So you have win. Then you have, you have yield or submit. And, you, and the, you oh my gosh, you know people that no matter what, they just, they give in all the time. They always lose every conflict. They just yield. And so most people, you know, they think the correct answer is compromise. That's just compromise. Now, that sounds really good, and sometimes we do have to compromise, but let's look at that word for a second. A woman has a high moral standard. She goes out on a date with her boyfriend. He pressures her for sex, and she compromises, right? It's the word we use. When you, when you say compromise like that, compromise isn't necessarily always a good word. You don't always compromise. The fourth word, they usually don't let me get to there, is resolve. See, because we're actually supposed to resolve conflict somehow and not win necessarily and not yield necessarily and not always have to compromise, but we're looking for a resolution. Now, sometimes resolutions are really hard to come. And, and throughout today, already, you keep, keep focusing because some of you are going to begin to think about the conflicts you're having with other people. Some of you might be thinking about the conflict you have with me. You, you might have a conflict with me. There's people who've left the church because of conflicts with me, with the worship style, with different things. And, and so we're, I don't want you to go too far off into thinking about your specific situation. I want you to stay here because today I want to give us some thoughts and some tools about working through conflict and, and being uh, aware of some of the difficulties and some of the things that, that happen. And so we're always looking to resolve the conflict if possible. Now, now this was wonderful because they came with they came with an agreement and if there was anybody hacked off about their agreement it doesn't say now likely there was somebody who was still saying i don't care i want to see them circumcised and they, they just went away and whatever sucked their thumb because they lost but but for the most part the church had a resolution and and this is what began to take precedent in the church that we're not going to require circumcision though it comes up again later in the book of galatians about being circumcised later at the end of the cha of the chapter we've been learning a lot about paul and barnabas um and one of, the, one of the missionary journeys, they took a man along with them who was the cousin of Barnabas named John Mark. And in chapter 13 and 14, if you read through it, we didn't talk about it much in, in uh, service a couple weeks ago, when they got up to, um, remember the map that we did last week, they got up to a place up here, you know, when you had on your map Antioch, they got up to Pamphylia and Derby all up, up here. As soon as they got from the island of Crete up here, the Bible says that John Mark left Barnabas and Paul. That was it. He says, I left him. Well, now we're here a couple chapters later. Paul is going to Barnabas. He says, hey, Barnabas, let's go back to all the places that we went before and encourage the churches. End of cha after chapter 15. And Barnabas says, that's a great idea. Let's take John Mark with us. 
And Paul was like, time out. You mean, you know, your cousin? You know, yeah, nice guy. He deserted us. He deserted us. Now, it doesn't go into exact details of what he says, but, but we believe it was basically he deserted us, and I'm, I don't trust him. We're not going to take him with us. So they, got, they have a conflict now. Barnabas, remember, is the son of encouragement. Son of encouragement, Barnabas means. He's the encourager. He's the nice guy. He's the guy who's always trying to help people see, see, see each other and get to know each other, and he's, he's just such a good guy. And he's like, listen, let's give John Mark another opportunity. Paul will not do it. And a conflict arises so great that the great apostle Barnabas and the great apostle Paul disagree, and they part company. Paul then takes the guy who brought the letter up to Antioch about not getting circumcised. He calls him back at Jerusalem and says, Silas, you're coming with me. We're going. And he goes and Barnabas takes John Mark and they split company. The Bible never talks about Paul and Barnabas being together again. Now we do find that through this, this um, conflict that they could not agree on, that later... Paul's writing in, in Corinthians, he talks about a little bit, but he talks about John Mark and even says, bring John Mark, he has been th- helpful to me in my ministry. So we don't know at what point, but at some point Paul is okay with John Mark and he, he, he even says that he's been helpful in the ministry, so he's okay with him. He mentions Barnabas once or twice in a really small way of, of considering Barnabas an apostle, but we don't know the, the whole depth of the story. But here's what we know. Paul and Silas went on to do great works for the kingdom of God out of this conflict. Many churches were planted. Many people were saved. Barnabas and John Mark went on and encouraged the churches and preached the gospel and did many great things for the kingdom of God. The conflict, though they never resolved it, though there might have been tension between them for a time after that, they did not destroy each other or defame each other. They agreed to disagree. They parted company. And God being God, the kingdom was still established. So we're talking about different types of conflicts. In your life, you have different types of conflicts all the time. How we handle them is what's going to set us apart, and what God is looking for is how we handle them. But you know you cannot control the outcome of a conflict, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are, no matter if you apply the keys, that some of the keys that I want to give you today, you still cannot control the outcome of any conflicts you have. You can only control your attitude your response and so we're gonna we need to talk about that and then we talk we'll talk a little bit about what happens and how do we deal with when the conflict is out of your control and the other person still wants to have a conflict a little bit of de-escalation and see what we can do on that and there's just going to be some times in life this is just a bummer it just doesn't go well but you can according to you live right and do the right things. And that's always what we're asked to do. Do you know we're never asked to control somebody else? But boy, we spend a lot of time trying to do it. <laughs> Isn't it true? We, tr- we actually spend time trying to control other people's. We, we try to control them with our anger. We try to control them. Uh, I mean, literally, I watch people stand up and like puff up in a confrontation. You know, that's like an animal instinct. 
it is really fun to watch two guys who are like, you know, they see each other in the parking lot and they have a problem with each other. Literally, they might have gotten out of their car like this and they're walking and they see Joe and they go. <laughs> and some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I do that. Because, and what are we doing? We're trying to control the situation. We're trying to dominate, and, and that's never what we are called to do. We're only called to, to live within our own skin and control our own actions, heart, attitude, our speech, and these things. And that is one of the hardest things to, to control is, is have that uh, uh, self-control and discipline. We're going to read some good scriptures here in a few minutes. And so, so we're talking about this, this conflict resolution and what we're going to do. Yeah, I was thinking about, there's a, there's a phrase, I was thinking about the word frustration in all of this, and I've been really praying and thinking about this. This has br brought up things where I've had conflict with people and I haven't handled it well. I've had conflict with people, I think I have handled it well. Sometimes I handle it well, they didn't. Sometimes they handle it well, I didn't. And, and even today, I'm, I'm living a life that I have, the results of conflict that I've had um, are all over Big Bear. Some of them are other churches. Uh, and, and you're the same way. You're the same way. There, 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 I've watched this happen on a, on a few occasions where somebody comes as a visitor, they walk through the door, they see somebody, and they leave because they're in conflict. And it's never, it hasn't been, hasn't been resolved well. And so, um, but I was thinking, and that's very frustrating, you know, frustrating. Have you ever worked at, at resolving a conflict really well and it still didn't go well and you get frustrated? Uh, somebody once said... Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure it was Pastor Jeff, said that frustration is just another way to say you're out of control. And I went, ooh, that's interesting. You know, he says, if you're frustrated, it's because you're out of control. I went, oh, that's, I think it's pretty true. I think it's, it goes a little bit deeper than that, but think about all the times you're frustrated with something. You couldn't control what just happened. You're frustrated the bolt won't turn because you're out of control. You can't make the bolt turn. You've got a thought, an idea, a wish, um, and it's not coming to pass. And there's nothing you can do right in the moment to make it happen. Frustration. So we're going to have to learn, uh, in the process of, of conflict, we're going to have to learn a lot of other things in our life. And we should be, uh, become experts as best as we can at communication and understanding ourself and our desires so that we can do a better job at resolving conflict. Conflict isn't bad. I didn't say that yet. Conflict is not bad. Sometimes, without some type of a conflict or a disagreement, problems can't be solved. So it's a matter of having conflict or disagreement. We're not talking about a fight but a disagreement type of conflict. Sometimes it takes that uh, and then the right steps to resolving that that has come up with answers um, for uh, problems in life. I went and looked at books on conflict. I thought, oh, let's go to Amazon and see how many books. I think there were 72,000 books on conflict resolution. That's a few books. I want to encourage you, if you're having a lot of conflict in your life, go get one. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if you've got a string of failed marriages in your life, go get a conflict resolution book. You know? You know, what is it with us guys, too? Uh, guys, us, uh, in general, 
us guys, you know, we have a problem. We get, we get married, we get a divorce. We get another wife, we get married, we get another divorce. We do this three and four times. And it, even after three and four times, I kid you not, this is a generality. For, so forgive me if you're like, I'm not that way, that's fine. But a generality, men will go, man, there's something wrong with all these women. <laughs> you know, after four or five, I think you need to start looking at yourself. But, you know, if you've got a problem with conflict in your life, there's 72,000 opportunities. Now, not all of them are good, but I did get some fun names um, of some books. I, got, I, I should have made a graphic. I didn't do that. Um, there was one. It's called The Big Book of Conflict Resolution Games. So they're, you know, games to help you resolve conflict. And actually, that might sound funny, but sometimes when you're working with people uh, at, at a workplace, that could be, that would be good. This one was uh, eight essential steps to conflict resolution. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, resolving everyday conflict as compared to resolving every other day conflict, I guess. Um, <laughs> if, if you've only had, uh, you know, old, t old time uh, conflict, you, this book you could get for the new one, Contemporary Conflict Resolution. So I guess it's got to be contemporary. Third edition. There's a fourth edition. Um, let's see here. There's a book called Everything is Workable. Uh, you know, we're talking about conflict resolution. Um, perfect phrases for conflict resolution. Some of us guys, and some of you women too, you don't always say it all, we need to get this because, you know, we just say the dumbest things. <laughs> you know, we just say, but then again, some of the women, you guys say dumb things too, like, do I look fat in this? <laughs> you know what my answer is with my wife? She doesn't even say it anymore. I look at her, do I look stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, perfect phrases for conflict resolution. And here is one for, for me. Conflict resolution for dummies. You know the yellow and black book? What did I say? 1,200,000 lawyers, only 27,000 marriage and family therapists. We would rather sue somebody than work it out. By far. By far. But we as Christians are called to live in harmony with everyone. The Bible says live in harmony with one another. So, how do we do this? If I knew that, I wouldn't be here. I'm just kidding. I'm learning how to resolve conflict in my marriage. I'm learning how to resolve conflict in the workplace, in the church. It's, it, I'm, I'm on a path. So I don't want to stand up here today and, and make you think that I've learned it all. I've read a lot. I've got a lot of tools. Unfortunately, I don't always apply the tools. I know what not to say, and yet somehow when I'm talking to my wife, dumb stuff just comes out <laughs> all the time still. But it's less than it used to be. It's less. It's a journey that we need to be on and be working at it to, to watch what we say. Now, we're not always going to be able to agree with everything with everybody about everything. And that's one of the first things. Conflict comes out of our, like I said earlier, our, our wishes, our hopes, our desires not coming to pass. So one of the things we have to begin to do more and more is actually go, is this really that important? 
If you don't like conflict, then, then when you're about to get into a conflict, one of the very first things you need to do is say, is this important? The toilet paper goes over. No, it goes under. How important is this about to be? And that might sound silly. I have seen fights over toilet paper. And it starts out okay. It's just like, I like over, under. And I don't know what happens. How does that go into a full-blown, not just a conflict, it escalates, or what I like to call it, de-escalates. It devolves into this, I am going to win this argument no matter what. And I know none of you have ever done that. You're all looking so serious. Listen, there's going to be a few things I hope you remember you know, from today. A couple of phrases, a couple of things, and th- th- this is one of them. And you've heard this before. It's actually been accredited to Augustine. It wasn't said by Augustine. It was actually said by somebody we've never heard of, Rupertus Meldenius. He was a, th- a German theologian in the 17th century. And you're like, I've never heard of him. I've never heard anything he's ever said. Yes, you have. This is what he said. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. You've probably heard that. There are some things that we have to be in agreement on. We have to, you know, you, 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 we, we, we're going to have to figure this out. One of the things that separates um, us as evangelical Christians and let's say what we might consider a cult, even though maybe they would think we're a cult, um, but uh, is the essential of that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and yet he is one with God. He's part of the triune. That there is salvation in no other name under heaven except through the name of Jesus Christ. This is an essential. I have fellowship with a lot of pastors in this town. We agree on, the, on a number of essentials. There's a few people who would call themselves pastors of, of other types of churches that we don't agree on that. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm you know, throwing Molotov cocktails at their house at night because I don't agree with them. <laughs> but we have no unity. Because, and, so, and so we, we really can't walk too far along, along the path. And so um, in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty, there's a lot of things that I disagree with with my brother pastors in town about maybe style or, or uh, uh, certain little you know, doctrines that really don't change salvation, but I just disagree with them. And so we have... Liberty. You know, there's churches that believe in the pre-trib and there's churches that believe in the post-trib rapture and the mid-trib rapture and the, the amillennial and the post-millennial pre-wrath tribulation partial rapture. I mean, these are all viewpoints and we, that's okay. There's liberty. I like that. I, would, I wish the whole rapture thing was summed up like this. So be it according to your faith. <laughs> means I'm going to be pre-trib because then I get to go in the pre-trib, right, you know. But if you believe in afterwards, you've got to go through the tribulation. It doesn't matter when you think you're going to be raptured. Someday you're going to be raptured or you're not. We're going to end up in heaven and praise God. And then all this. In all things, charity. The reason I don't throw Molotov cocktails at the pastors and church people that I don't agree with up here, which I don't really call them churches, is because I still love them. In all things, charity.
So we're talking about conflict. We need to remember this. Hey, is this an essential? Do we need to absolutely be in unity? Or, or is this something we can have liberty and say, you know, we agree to disagree. You ever have that? You know, let's just agree to disagree. And some people go, no, that's just not okay. When I used to live in Oakdale, there was, uh, we, we lived inland from Modesto. And you could, you could drive um, out to the east, kind of like through Modesto to hit the freeway and go through a place called Salida. Then there was this nether road that kind of went um, river road and, and went out and it hit Jack Tone and it hit the, the freeway kind of at that angle. And then there was another one kind of went like this, this, and this. And I tell you, there were like almost knockdown, drag out fights by the locals of which way was the fastest way to get to the 99. I mean, and they, their voices would start getting raised on. Well, I've timed it and it's only 32 minutes and... I know none of you have ever had a silly argument, ever. So one of the things about conflict is to actually say, is this really important? Do I have to win this right now, or is this something that we can just have liberty with and definitely have charity with? The Bible says that we need to be kind and compassionate to one another. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 25 through 32. It's a long passage, but there's some great parts in here. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this here. There's a couple of passages that really, if we just lived by these, conflict resolution would be solved. It's a matter of actually applying it to our lives. And that's always the difficult thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Some of us have actually gone to lying to prove our point in a conflict. It, we usually don't start there. People don't usually start in the lie to prove their point. But if the conflict keeps going and they're running out of legitimate ammunition, they start reaching for lies to support themselves. But we're called to speak truthfully. Put off falsehood. For we are all members of one body. Remember that. We are part of the body of Christ. Um, uh, this, this, this whole thing definitely applies to marriage. In your anger, do not sin. The Bible doesn't say that you can't be angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're in a conflict with somebody, it's because your emotions are beginning to get, you know, kind of come up here. Somebody's tested your emotions in a way, and when your emotions start going, the anger starts, starts coming. But in your anger, the Bible says, do not sin. So when it starts rising up in that word or those phrase or whatever it is, it's about to come out of your mouth starts coming. We need to begin to hold, hold that back and have some discipline and self-control. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know what people think? I'm going to correct this. I believe that people have been, been misspeaking this for a long time. People say, you're supposed to resolve it before you go to bed. Husbands and wives, marriage counseling, they've been doing this for a long time. Don't go to bed angry. You know what? I mean, some of you wouldn't have slept for a week. <laughs> you have to move to Alaska where the sun never sets <laughs> for six months. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger. You can have a conflict overnight. You can have a conflict for weeks at a time. He's talking about that wrath, the anger that goes along with it. And you know what? That has nothing to do with the person that you're angry with. Did you know your anger, anger and wrath is up to you? 
So it's about getting control of that and de-escalating that anger into where it's not fuming and emotional and rancid. It's about coming, you know what? We're going to resolve this. Because whenever we're in any type of relationship, you, I want you to remember this, we want to think win-win. I win, they win, everybody wins. And so that means that we have to be looking out for the welfare of the person we're in conflict with as well as the, the, the well-being of our, ourselves and the situation in general. Paul and Barnabas, the church was not destroyed because of this conflict. How many churches have you seen go through a conflict within the leadership and it falls apart because they don't handle it right? Don't let that be you. Don't let that be your marriage. You know, divorce, listen, if you've been divorced, God, there is grace there. I understand things happen in our past, but I want to tell you the scripture says God hates divorce. It's not something we're supposed to jump into. It's not something that's supposed to happen for us as believers. Thank God for his grace. We've all made mistakes. But I've seen divorces where the husband and wife have managed their conflict well and that their, their family structure to some degree stays intact or at least it stays in better tact, in better shape than those who won't manage their conflict and it destroys every child and the aunts and the uncles and it just destroys everything. We need to learn how to be people who can manage conflict and manage ourselves. Don't give the devil a foothold. I was just talking about that. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. This kind of leaves the, the, the point for, of, of the conflict, but must work and do something useful with his own hands. Go to 29. Do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Right there, some of you are in trouble. because I, you know, And I'm not looking at anyone specific, but I know people in general. There are some people that cannot have a conflict with somebody without unwholesome talk. They cuss they berate, they belittle, it's unwholesome, it's ungodly, and we need to get a hold of our tongue. As a Christian, we have what's called the Holy Spirit in our life to help us with these things. If you're a believer and this is still you, you need to let the Holy Spirit in your life begin to get some more control. Don't let any unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to to their needs that it may benefit those who listen don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption this is verse 31 is for the after the conflict part get rid of all bitterness rage anger brawling slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another so he, he, the, here's like, get rid of these things, bitterness. You know, when you're in a conflict, something's happened in your life, and that bitterness just begins to come up because we keep uh, ruminating over it. We keep thinking about it, going it over in our brain over and over and over and over again, and that anger keeps stirring up, and all these emotions, we're not getting a hold of our emotions. The Bible says in Jude to not be sense-ruled, do not be a sensual people. Those things are, are, are touching our senses, and we need to get control of them. Otherwise, we're going to take this, this bitterness and this anger and this unforgiveness we're going to make a milkshake out of it. It's just going to be, it's just going to hurt us because it's going to be a bad concoction that's going to drive your life into a wrong place. Bitterness, rage, anger, these things actually turn into brawling. 
for some and slander for others. We start talking bad about the person. That's not how to manage a conflict. We're, we're called above that, along with every form of malice. Then it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgive you. I want you to be, put these things, if you're, for, for conflict resolution, put this scripture out. The other scripture I want to go, because I'm going to, I need to move a little quicker here, is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which is the fruit of the Spirit. These things are what need to be guiding our lives not just here at church, but in our homes and our works. We need to be people who are full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Love. You know, when you're in a conflict with somebody, you need to remember that, that God so loved the world, that's the unsaved, that God loves the Christians, the saved, that, that you're supposed to love the world and the brothers, and so therefore, love. And so, so our conflicts need to be, I'm going to love this person. Now, sometimes loving someone means they have to, they are damaging themselves with their actions. Sometimes conflict is, is, is important and, and beneficial. But I want you to memorize these scriptures, write them down. The Ephesians chapter 4.25 and Galatians 5. This one's a, a, a freebie, I love it. 2 Timothy 2.23 says this, Again, I say, don't get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. You know, some of the conflict we have is just silly. Just don't get involved with it. Just, you know, even though you want to make that point, you see, sometimes we walk into the middle of conflict and somebody's talking about, you know, Trump and Hillary. Or whatever it is, and, and you just want to throw in one more thing. You don't get involved with stupid arguments let's be people of of uh, character what causes conflict james 4 says this where do all the fights and quarrels among you come from they come from your desires for pleasure which are constantly fighting within you and i thought well desires for pleasure you know what it makes me feel really good when i'm right It does, doesn't it? That's actually a pleasure, is, is being right and getting the upper hand. You feel like you conquered something. Guys, I think, have a harder time with that because we we, we're winners. We have to do this. Your desire for pleasure, which is sometimes just being right, that's where the quarrels come from. Hmm. You want things, but you can't have them. What causes conflict? That's right. Making my notes. I said, what, what causes conflict? And I went, oh, I know what it is. It's other people. <laughs> people are the problem. If there were no other people, I'd have no conflict. <laughs> you know, conflict comes because I have all this stuff inside of me and I've got pride and I can't be can't be wrong. I'm not going to start telling all the stories of times where I just stood on a point and just wouldn't let it go. Until I mean, people even tr bringing truth and facts and you just deny it. You ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you have done that. Not everyone does that, but we've got to get rid of our pride. 
we've got to keep our hopes, desires, ideas in check and understand that, that working together may produce a better outcome than me having to be right. We've got to think win-win. Here's some, uh, some, some, some quick rules for confrontation. We've already kind of talked about this. One where you, we're we're going to be in conflict all the time. Um, first, remember, you are, you are Christ's loved one. You're, you're, you're a Christian. And so as you get into conflicts with people, if you tell yourself, remind yourself that you are a child of God, it's going to hopefully hold us back from going down some really ugly areas. Remember that. Remember that conflict is an opportunity. Conflict is an opportunity for growth for you, possibly for the other person, possibly for the organization and situation that you're involved in. Conflict can be an opportunity. As long as you remember that you're, you're a child of God first. Conflict can be an opportunity. So, so we don't necessarily want to avoid conflict. Some of you, when I did the conflict resolution styles, you said, I'm a yielder. I hate conflict. I will never get in conflict. And what you do is you just always give in. You're always, always doing that. And, and that's going to ruin your life eventually. You're going to actually get bitter, angry, and resentful. And you're going to allow somebody to hurt other people because you are afraid of conflict. And you're going to let abuse happen because you're afraid. We should never be afraid of conflict. We should just know how to handle it and go in there with the, being full of the Holy Spirit. Um, when, we, when we have conflict, one of the, the things we, we want to remember, we want to be kind. The Bible says let's be kind to one another. That means we're going to think about the words we say. There are so many times when I'm you know, talking with Shannon and we're having a disagreement and we don't yell. We really don't. I mean, there's only been a couple of times that, that Shannon and I have ever raised our voices. That doesn't mean we don't disagree. It doesn't mean we're not passionate. It, but we, we, we don't yell. But there's a number of times when we're doing our disagreement thing that I just have to hold my tongue. I say, you know what? What I'm thinking is not kind. It's not kind. I'm not going to say it. Now, you can ask her. I don't always do that. I say unkind things to her. More, than, more often than I'd like to admit. But I'm working on it. And I tell you, you can get a handle on it because I'm getting a handle on it. We want to have that disciplined mouth. We want to have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ladies, men, I mean, I have watched both sexes. You would think that men are the ones who aren't gentle enough, and I've seen plenty of you ladies out there, you are not gentle when it comes to talking to your husband. You know, I don't know what happened. You're, you're gentle with everyone else, and you're not with your husband, not with your kid. You know what? We need to be gentle, and we need to have self-control. Let me go just a couple minutes more and get us, get us some tools, because this is, this is an area... couple of things communication is is the is the number one thing in a conflict you got to have good communication and good communication skills if you don't have them start working on it learn to express yourself learn to talk learn to listen learn to ask good questions you know when when uh, when most people are in a discussion like a conflict or a debate uh, a disagreement. Hopefully it's not escalating to a fight, but it's, it goes to a fight. It goes to this, this heated thing. Maybe yelling's happening. When the other person's talking, most of us 
we're not listening. You know what we're doing? We're thinking about our response. And we're just sitting there going, I just can't wait for you to shut your mouth. Because the moment you stop talking, I'm going to blast you with A, B, and C. Right? We just, we just can't wait for them. Just shut, shut your yap. Shut your yap. I'm being really real here. And some of you are going, oh, man, that's me. If you've been in my house, if you've been in my mind, you know, we're why? Because as soon as you do, I'm going to blast you and I'm going to get you. We need to begin to actually listen to what they're saying. Any conflict, anything you're disagreeing with, and if you don't understand what they're saying, ask a question. Can you help me understand that point a little bit more? Can you help me understand what you're feeling? Or, you know, when you said this, I, I, I don't know if I understood. Could you re-explain that to me? Or, did you really want me to jump out the window and die? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? You know what, believe it or not, I mean, we, we laugh because we say these things, right? Because we're in a fight now. We, I just wish you would die. I've actually asked that. I want to clarify something. Do you really want me to die? You know what? That will actually de-escalate a fight pretty quick because if you're in a good relationship with that person, they're probably going to say, well, no. Okay. But obviously, you're really hurt of what I said and did to you for you to say that. We need to, we need to figure out why you're so hurt. And I'm kind of dense. I, I don't know if I understand what I did to cause such passion. But I can't believe that it's escalated for you to have to say that you want me to die. But I want to understand if it's at all possible. Now, that might sound really crazy to have conversations like that. But if you will begin to have conversations, and obviously this sounds like a marriage, you know, marriage thing. Um, you have to figure out how to con- you're going to have to figure out how to communicate with people. And how to express yourself, how to listen, communication. Um, think before you speak. Start with the end in mind. That's another one. Start with the end in mind. What does that mean? Okay, you're here. Conflict, you're in disagreement. Toilet paper, under, over, whatever. Okay. At the end, let's get a little bit backed up from... What's your, what's your desire in the end? I want the toilet paper over. Okay, let's back up. Do you want your wife to be living in the house with you when the toilet paper's over? <laughs> D- do you want your kids in counseling because you got a divorce? I mean, this is kind of fun. <laughs> but we're like, no, this is serious. And you start going with the end. What is the end in mind? You know what? The end is that we're living in agreement somehow and that, that we can move forward on this. Okay, that's going to help to set some ground rules on the next things I'm going to say. I'm not going to say, your parents were so stupid, they taught you to put the, uh, the toilet paper under, and I can't believe that they raised such a stupid, idiotic person who would actually roll the toilet paper under. <laughs> Obviously, I'm talking about something that you pick your fight, right? You pick your topic. You pick your topic, and those are the same words you says. I can't believe your parents raised such a stupid person to do this. You know what? You're, you're not thinking about the end, because the end where this fight is going is somebody sleeping on the couch in the doghouse, and you have enough of those, and somebody sleeping in separate houses. What's the, what's the end goal here? Man, I want to live in peace and harmony. 
Start with it. Think. Think long term. Where are you going to go? You're going to have a confrontation with one of your employees and you're going to go and just blast them for everything they've ever done and how stupid they are and all this. It's like, you know what? Where, what's the end game? Do you want a better employee? You're not going to get it. So we, we're, 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 we begin to, it's really what happens here. We've talked about this, the battlefield of mind. We've got to k- take control of our thoughts. <sighs> Keep the end in mind. Ask yourself as you're having these conflicts with somebody, is this going to help bring clarity to the situation? What, the thing I'm gonna, about to say, is it going to bring clarity to the situation or cause division? These are just some good questions to begin to, to ask yourself. And, and I, I really want to back up because I've, I, I don't think, I, I don't know if I said it. I can't remember if I said it. Before this conflict is even going, you, go, you need to ask yourself, is this important? Is this important? And, and, and you know, sometimes just letting it go because we want to we live at peace. So a so cu- couple more real quick things. We're close. Um, I, you know, I want to encourage you if you are having problems of conflict in your in your life. Maybe your your problem is that you you don't know how to have conflict, and so you never have conflict, which means you are the doormat. You are always compromising yourself, and I'm going to use the word compromising like I did at the beginning. You're always feeling like you're compromising everything: your values, your morals, everything. That is unhealthy and wrong. If you're having a problem with conflict, and it's because you never have conflict. If you're having problems co- with conflict because you're, you don't know how to hold your tongue, I want to encourage you to seek out and get some help. Talk with somebody. Talk with, you know, I, I'd love to sit down and j- give you some more tools. I just barely scratch the surface. What I'm hoping is that this is just whetting your appetite. You know what? I am tired of the way that I have conflict in my life. I never resolve conflict. I either back out of it, I win it, I create havoc wherever I go. And I want to have, I want to I get some tools. I want to encourage you to do that. Peace at any cost is not healthy. Peace at any cost. We are tr- live at peace as far as it depends upon you. We want to be at peace and harmony, but, but that doesn't mean we compromise ourselves. Peace doesn't, here's one, peace doesn't mean no disagreement. It means no war. We've been at peace with Russia for a long time doesn't mean we're not in disagreement all the time. So you can be in disagreement with someone and still have peace. It's whether or not you're throwing bombs at them. Okay. Bible talks a little bit about this. When you have a thought f- with somebody, conflict, somebody, you need to go to them. Go to them quickly and go to them. Before you go to them, ask, is this important? Some people think, okay, I have a problem with them. They, they wore red p- pants. They red just, I hate red. I'm going to tell them. I hate red pants. You know, you don't have to go to everyone every time you have a silly thought. And you, you need a lot of time just to go check it here and go, is this really important? Okay. And then pray. Help me let this go. You know, the pastor, he just wears that stupid shirt all the time. Or, you know, he tells too many jokes. I mean, you know, th- th- it might be important, but is this important? If it is important... Go to them and go to them quickly. Hey, can, can, we, can we talk? I'd love to get the opportunity to talk. Bring, bring, bring it out. Think about it. Use, use words carefully. K- 
keep the end in mind that you actually are looking for a resolution that doesn't involve death or dismemberment, <laughs> disunity, a bad name and slander. How many of you have ever gotten a phone call with somebody who maybe you had a conflict with a month or a week ago, a month ago, two months ago, and you get a phone call and they go, hey, I want to talk to you. And you start playing the tape. What did I say? Who did I say it to? Who told them that I said that about them? I've done it. That's why I said it. And you go, oh no. And you're just praying they didn't hear it. And they come to you and they didn't. You're like, oh. And you make a vow, I'm never going to do that again. Until the next time you do it. It's going to become people who are, we hold our tongue. We remember that we're going to be kind to people. We're going to build up the body of Christ. We're going to be people who slander. We're people who, wouldn't it be wonderful if if the Christian church could be known for, man, you know, these, they, they love each other and there's unity and even when there's disagreements, they just work through them really well. You know, the Bible talks about Christians getting lawyers. They say don't. How dare you as a Christian sue another believer? Why? Because we're supposed to be able to work things out ourselves. And this is hard. I tell you, this is a hard message for me. But, I, but this is, we see some good examples in the Bible, and boy, do we see some bad examples in the Bible of where they did not resolve their conflicts well. David was a horrible man at resolving his conflict. I mean, he was horrible. Go and read the stories. I mean, he let his son take over the kingdom because he was afraid to discipline him. He kills Uriah because he can't have a conflict. He's afraid of what other people might say. He's just, he's, you want to learn a, about bad handling of conflict? David. Now, a couple things he did well. If he would have treated the way he treated Saul, remember what he did with Saul? Even though he was the rightful king, that he had been anointed king, David had been anointed king, and Saul was trying to kill him, he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He wouldn't come against him. He let God handle it. Remember, I can close a couple things. Boy, I'm really over. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And I, okay, we're not even going to get into forgiveness. That was another message. Maybe we'll, we'll do that soon. See, we've got to let our, our, all these bitterness and rage, everything go away because vengeance is God's. <sighs> I hope some of this was helpful. It was helpful for me to begin to work on these things again. Let's pray. Father, this message is for all of us because we're all in conflict all the time with our kids, with our spouse, with our bosses, with our employees, at the church. God, I pray that you would help us to live biblically and be people who would apply the word of God to our life and our situation. These scriptures that I read today, Father, they would, they would really haunt us. They'd really encourage us and challenge us whenever we're uh, in these moments of confrontation and disagreement, God, that we'd be people uh, who would uh, use the word of God and, and live according to it, that we'd be kind to one another, that we would um, be gentle, that we wouldn't let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, that we would be uh, slow to anger, we'd be quick to forgive. Father, I also pray for patience because some people, some of us in here, are in relationships or in conflicts with people who will not apply any of this. 
Maybe they're unsaved. It might be a spouse or a boss, and they are, they are just horrible at conflict. God, I pray that you would help us uh, to live godly even in those circumstances where that no matter what we do, the other person will absolutely escalate it. And, and really, their desire maybe is to see us destroyed. Give us, give us uh, peace and patience in those conflicts also, God. Help us to trust that you are our defense, that, that uh, vengeance is yours, and that you care for us so much that you will not let those things go unpunished, but you'll do it. God, um, challenge us today, Father, and I thank you that as we apply some of these simple principles, um, that we'll see better relationships with the people we're in relationship with. Pray us strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I told you I'd give you an opportunity at the end. The communion is still set up, and you might say, I've been in conflict with somebody. If you want to take an opportunity to have some, take them some communion or just have communion on your own. Bless you guys. Make sure you're in life group this week. We'll see you.